It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, presented to you by the Up On Game Presents Network. It's your boy, as always, Jimmy J. James Jackson, joined by my two guys, Kyle Sirik and Statman Robinson. No Jake Galley had prior engagements, like Kyle did last week with the misses. So we always excuse that. You know, we're all perfect gentlemen on the, on the podcast. Is that episode. what he's doing today? I so didn't even see that his is, text. That is what he's doing. And it's <laughs> funny because y'all know that y'all get your jail out of free car with me because I'm never going. I'm never going to give you any stink about spending time with you know with your significant others so y'all notice how you get me um but we got a good episode slated for everybody it's the season two finale so just like we did last year coming into what i like to call the dog days of the sports calendar um in the summer we go into the off season as straight facts so we we know that we're a fact-based you know stat-based podcast we love it that way but we have an off season two we've an off switch too so as we go into this summertime, that's our time to get all the narrative talk out of the way, get all the big buzz talk out of the way. And then when football comes back, we hit the ground running again with our stats and our facts. So keep it locked. We're still dropping every week, still coming on the YouTube, still coming on to streaming services, just switching it up a little bit. But um, also big episode because we have a chance to end it on a season two on a high note. Um, it's our guy Kyle Sirik's last episode, a bittersweet episode for us today. So we know it's going to be a good one, but chance to for Kyle to ride out in the sunset with us. So Kyle, you got you got to bring it today. You ready today? Oh, I'm definitely ready to bring it. I'll touch up more on that at the end at the buzzer, but I'm ready to bring yes, it today, sir. man. I, I got a little extra excitement in me, man. It's, it's my was, last episode, but I'm I'm still here, still here. You got to lead the people with something today. You got to lead the people with something, something to remember you by. Yeah. Matt's Matt can't wait to to shut it all down. But okay. Let's let's get into it because since we last talked, we had our guy Martin Sores from Basketball Society on. It was a great podcast, but he helped us kind of talk about as we were coming to the end of those NBA finals last Wednesday into Thursday. And then last Thursday, those finals abruptly ended. Steph Curry made sure that there were no more games for us to talk about. So uh, the Warriors go back into Boston for game six, survive a torrid start from the Celtics, but end up pulling out a 103 to 90 victory. And just some quick just final recap talk. How did that game six go for y'all? Because I, I was not expecting that. I remember on the pod last week, I was really talking heavily about, I was confident about how Boston could go back home, get their role players to play well, and force a game seven. And then with six minutes left in the first quarter, it was very apparent that that was not going to happen, that the Warriors were going to collect their fourth championship in eight years. So, Matt, go ahead first. What, like Just quick reactions from game six. How did that end for you? The day, the morning after the Celtics lost at home to lose the championship, the sun shined brighter, the birds sang louder, <laughs> and everything was just bliss. It was it was great to watch. Crazy. And honestly, big relief to watch 
someone not named the Boston Celtics lift a trophy. And I'm happy for Golden State. I'm honestly really happy that Curry has a finals MVP because he should have won one when he won his first title and he got robbed. And now people can't use that stupid argument against him. And it's there's been some like uh, we'll get to some legacy talk. We have that later. I'm just I just want to brag about my take before the finals, which was what was your that take? If the Celtics win the finals, Tatum will be MVP. But I don't think the Celtics win because Tatum isn't good enough to stand up to the defensive pressure of the Warriors. And Tatum had okay. Tatum had a I need to look myself in the mirror this summer kind of series. Um, and he is the reason. I don't want to besmirch the Warriors because the Warriors defense did it to him. But Tatum's lack of numbers is why the Celtics aren't the champions right now. Yeah, I mean, yes, the Warriors forced it on him, but... Like, this is your first finals run. And not everyone goes to the first finals like the Warriors and wins it. Like, the, like a lot of people go to their first finals and they take a hit. They take the loss to a more experienced team. That's all I saw from Jason Tatum. Like, yes, he's not going to be proud of this one. But this is something that, like, a growing pain that he has to go through. And that's just one example of a long list, a, mi- a microcosm of him and Jalen Brown's tenure together is about taking those lumps as a team, taking those lumps as a duo, overcoming that adversity, those growing pains as a duo. Jason Tatum is young. I think he'll be back. Like I, that's, that's all that this was, was just a, another stripe that he has to earn into taking that next step as a basketball player. Like, dude's still only like 25, 26 years old at that. So, like, I, I think he'll be fine. Like, he did, he did take a hit, though. But for, for just to, yeah. to answer your point there, Matt, like, I think he'll be fine. He's 24. Yeah. There you go. Now he's 19. <laughs> yeah, true. See? Uh, uh, but no, no, I, I'm, I agree with James, Eric, because it's a thing as well. The Boston fans shouldn't be discouraged by this. There's a lot of championships across all sports where you can see your team lose and it's like discouraging because that might have been your only shot. This was the first shot of a Celtics team that has been getting closer and closer year after year to this point. And just because they didn't win the championship. They're probably set up to be the favorites in the East again next year going into the season as it speaks. I mean, it's them or the Bucks, but they're right there in the conversation. So I'm the same way. And I'm with Matt also is that my take was correct. I said Warriors and six. They're going to do it in Boston. Matt actually also said it. So going into that game, I was happy to root for the Warriors. But Martin actually last week, listening back to that episode was kind of turning me on to some Celtic stuff because you could tell Martin he did pick the Warriors, but he also was, you know, wanted Boston to play better, wanted Boston to, right, right. to succeed and really laid out some pathways of how they could do that. And it got me thinking, like, it's still a little closer, but in the end, I mean, the, the Warriors did it. What did I say going in that Steph and Draymond aren't going to lose to uh, Jason Tatum-led team? And, mm-hmm. and, and that was a straight, it's a straight narrative take, but sometimes it works. And at this point, you had the, I mean, I'll call it second best dynasty of all time, go up against the first comers. They're the first timers, the newcomers to the championship. And that's how it played out. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because like y- you watch the series go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And going into game six, I was the one who said, I don't see anything from the Warriors that have like me sold that this series is wrapped up. And then, like I said, 
halfway through the first quarter, I was like, wow, there it is. Now it's wrapped up. Like I didn't, I, it, what, almost as soon as they came back from that run, they flipped a 10 point deficit into a 15 point advantage. And I'm like, oh, it's wrapped up. Like they, they don't come back from this at all. Um, but to just to go back on the Jason Tatum point for a little bit, I, I, I had just had this little revelation, this little connection in my mind about the beginning of Jason Tatum's career as it is till now. And, kind of how Kevin Durant's career like got started, especially how he got to these finals where his first finals run, he gets there a little bit earlier than expected. They're a good team, but no one's really expecting them to go to the finals and go to the championship. They go and meet a much ex- more experienced, already legacy cemented LeBron James, who I guess is trying to get his first finals, but the player he is, the magnitude of LeBron James is already there, especially him in playoff runs. He's very experienced. So he goes up against that team has a little bit of shine, but ended up getting run out the gym by it. And it's just one stripe and a lump and a hurdle. And Kevin Durant's ultimately very illustrious, very good, very star-studded career. So even just the way like those two teams, especially the running mates that he had in Russell Westbrook and Jalen Brown, like there's, there's just similarities there. That's why I'm confident that Jalen Brown gets back to, you know, this, this isn't a one-and-done thing for, for Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Like that's just it's just another instance of why. As long that. as Tatum and Brown are there, they're going to be in the mix. So like I don't know if they get back because everyone. If you told people Kevin Durant would never make another Finals with OKC, like he played f- four more years after that, and they didn't make a Finals, but they were still a lot of success and always in the mix. Um, I I just don't I think this I don't think Tatum I don't think you can c- compare Tatum to Durant just because the talent level is so different. Um, Tatum's never been a top five player in the league. Durant sure. has, Durant at yeah, that scoring point titles at that has point, won like, right? that was his third straight scoring title, I think. Right, I right, think, right. T- and this is not a slight of Tatum. I think Tatum is essentially Carmelo Anthony if he was in today's game with a good team around him. Because Carmelo, a lot, a lot, his Knicks team stunk because the team building around Melo was horrible. This is this would be like what Mello would be if he had a good team around him, and this would be a young Mello, obviously, because Tatum's young. Right. So I right. think that's right. the level of talent we're talking about, like a Mello level, not a Durant level. Yeah, that that's true. But in terms of let, let's let's stay on the legacy talk because the the legacy talk is good. It's what you do after a championship, and a certain one Steph Curry has now taken taken his seat and gotten his just due. Because now it's time to reevaluate his legacy. So I'll pose the question. Is Steph Curry now a top 10 player of all time? And if so, who are you taking out? Because the second part of that question is big. So I did a lot of... I did a lot I'm, of thinking. I did a yeah, lot you of thinking. Part of this one. You got I, a part of this I really one. I'm so interested to hear who you're taking out the top 10. So I really, really, really wanted... Curry to overtake Kobe in my top ten list. I'd love so, to yes. say so, so. Steph is top ten, that, but no, that. he's not. He barely. He's not quite. He not Kobe's Kobe's defense. The amount of years to. Kobe was all defense, and the amount of Kobe Steph's dominant years. There just aren't enough of them for him to overtake Kobe yet. For me, if he okay. uh, three more years of him playing at this level, he overtakes Kobe. Kobe's, Kobe's number Kobe's 11. 
Kobe's the only option. Kobe's my number 10. Kobe's been my number 10 for a while now. I think that also maybe we need to talk about. <laughs> not, Wait, I'm going to run through it's my top breeze, 10. I'm going to run through my top 10 real quick. I'm not going to. So it's LeBron, Jordan, Wilt, Kareem, Russell, Magic, Bird, Shaq, Duncan, Kobe. So we all have we I have the same exact top ten. We're just we're shuffled around a little bit. We won't, I won't. I, this isn't the time to critique your top ten. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> oh, Kyle really tough. wants to, but like that's not the time to critique your top ten. But no, I'm not going to critique it. I, I, I disagree thinking. with Steph Curry not being in the top ten. I think as as much as it was a huge narrative, and as much as you know, people kind of beat it to death. That fourth ring, or that I'm sorry, that Finals MVP in this fourth ring solidified it for him because now it's something tangible that moves forward that says Steph Curry was the reason the Warriors won this championship. Like I hear your argument about 2015 and that maybe that he got robbed, but like it, it was at, at some point it was recognized. This was a full team effort of the Warriors that collectively beat LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think a testament of that is Andre Iguodala winning that finals MVP. Everybody had a hand in that pot. It wasn't definitively Steph Curry in this series that won him. Maybe aside from one game in the 2022 finals, Steph Curry was the reason the Warriors won this NBA championship. And for him to get that finals MVP, to finally be the quote-unquote bus driver in in a series that he had to put a 40 point game, a high 30 point game, and and win his team that series puts him in there and it puts him above. I'm sorry. I I you're not gonna like this one, Matt, but I'm still <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking out Bill Russell. I, I'm I'm taking out Bill Russell. Steph Curry is and I'm and I'm one who likes to respect basketball of all eras. I love to respect 60s, 70s, 80s basketball. I do. But when you look at logistics, we are straight facts, can't get away with it. When you look at what like 12 teams in the league, really only one superstar he had to go through. And the fact that someone could win 10 finals, go to 10 straight finals, you know, the, the fact that someone could do that, like it's just a t- like a, a testament to the difference of era. Like I'm 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 sorry, but I'm putting Steph Curry in my top 10, and Bill Russell is the one I'm taking out. OG yeah, gotta go to eleven. OG yeah. gotta go to eleven. He he's got to be in the if you're going to put him top ten he's got to be one of the ones in contention. I'm the same way because I I'm thinking about it now when Matt lays out the list it's tough. It's like do I really want to put Steph above one of those guys? I don't um, have Akeem in that list either. Akeem yeah. my twelve. my twelve. I wouldn't put Akeem there. I would say I won't put Akeem. I, I have to put Steph in the top ten. Uh, no doubt in my mind. Oh man, the resume, from, come on man. Just from what I've seen. I mean, obviously, this is our generation of basketball. Grew up as a kid with LeBron, and then LeBron's still obviously there, but then Steph has really dominated that next, probably like these last seven years. Um, so between, I don't know who I want to take out, but but it's going to be either Russell, Will, Bird, or Duncan. So I'm just going to cheat and Can't say, take Bird out. Can't and, take I'm, Bird out. and I'm just going to say Steph's the seventh best player, and those four are behind him. So I'm not even going to think about who I'm kicking out for him and. You can think about how you want to rank those four. He's not ahead of Bird. He's not. You can't it's take tough. Bird out. I'm, hey, t- bird. hey, I got I Bird. I think he's ahead of Bird either. But you can't I'm take the him out. resident sure. Celtics hater here, and I'm your guy who's going to make me defend Bill Russell and Larry Bird. It's unfair. It's tough. <laughs> That's it's tough. Funny. I'm not. Look, maybe I'm not. I'm not diving into the numbers. I'm not diving in like he can't no, be ahead not- of this guy at six or seven. 
But but for me, that's the group of four that that I think are next up. If you have to kick someone off, and mm-hmm. Steph, I'm just I know Steph. I want him in my top ten, so I'm just cheating. I'm saying Steph I'm, seven I'm and rank those four where you want because Steph's Duncan. in my top ten. And and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with those four. Steph I'm just can telling be better you. than Duncan. <laughs> that is a close call. That's it's close. It's closer than you're making it appear, Matt. But Duncan, I still got him ahead of it. I'm just saying birds off limits. I'll live with any of the other ones. No, 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 I'm fine with that. Duncan will hurt a little bit. I can There's live with an argument against him because he got hurt and he only played 13 years. Uh, but no. in 1986, think, after they won the title, people were calling Bird the greatest of all time. It yeah. wasn't like, but and Bird said no, it's Russell. So that was and like, and that's actually like a thing that like Russell kept in his like. A newspaper headline he kept like in his house in San Francisco. Yeah, keep that word. He's probably the only person that really publicly said it like that. But like, yeah, I just think I think Larry Bird is is cemented in there. But that's that's it's something to think about because I think what's good for Steph Curry and and by the way, if the reason that you should know he's top ten, if if anyone's saying it, if if I'm saying it, if I'm saying Steph Curry is top ten, like you talk about, you're being a, a resident Celtics hater. I was I wish Jake was on here to really testify to this. Like I was the biggest Steph Curry hater in the world. So like he really earned a lot of respect. And I think what's good for him is I think that's pretty much accepted now. I think that's common that Steph Curry should be looked at as top ten of all time. I think I agree. A bunch of people were teetering. I think people wanted to, but the fact that he was never really like the the definite greatest player on a on a championship team. I think was hurting a lot of people's ability to really. I, I just got, I got. He was clearly the best player on the Warriors team that won the title. You could argue okay. whether or not he deserved Finals MVP. That's a different argument. Okay, but on that, we were the MVP of the league in 2015. They right. had the best record in the NBA, and they won the title, and he was their best player. Whether or not he was Finals MVP is a different thing. But he was the he has been the best player on two title teams, and I don't think you can argue that. Right, right, right. He was the best player on the 2015 Warriors. Was he the the sole reason that they won the championship in that finals run? No, that's what. I'll, that's how I word that. Sure, and that's yeah, why. And that's, that, that's why they moved away from for finals MVP. Also, I've got I've got my answer. You know, I, I was keeping it up in the air because I didn't want to put one. I, I'm kicking out Will Chamberlain because I think the reason you cement him on the list is the way he changed the game <laughs> and literally changed the rules. Because because if you look at like titles and everything, I, I have to have Russell ahead of him. And mm-hmm. but but no, no, my no, reason for I, leaving I, I, Will let him on go, the Matt, list, let him go, Matt. Let him go, Matt. Let him go. Let him go. My reason for leaving Will on the list is because he was literally unguardable in that era of basketball. They had to change the rules for him, and he was super dominant. At the same time in the league, uh Bill Russell was basically just as dominant. And if you look over a larger span of time, because Russell did it over a longer span of time, I have to have Russell above Will. Um but the argument for leaving him on the list is the same reason I want to put Steph Curry on the list because he changed the game of basketball in a more modern, more competitive era of basketball. And I think his four titles and the dominance he's been on these last seven or eight, maybe even you want to stretch it to nine years, is more impressive to me. So I'm putting Steph and Will's the one I want to take off. It's so hard. You, 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 wish, you wish a top 10 included 11 players because I think really? you can draw a cutoff at that 11 line. But it's weird. You got to kick one out, and I, I'm going to go in my book. I, I have to kick out Will. The the reason I hesitate to kick out Will is because I truly think 
that what could have been dominant in I agree. No, I agree. I, I agree. I don't know. If, I, resume you know I mean? <laughs> it got you gotta be where they got where they were. I hear you. I don't think if Russell, I think if Russell played today, be a good player, I don't think he'd be dominant like he dominated back then. Wilt would still probably be one of the most athletic players on the floor if he played today. He was an Olympic champion. So right. like, I, like I can, I can make a more justifiable case. Will has to be top ten. Will absolutely has to be. We average fifty and thirty in one season. Like He played every minute in the fastest pace ever. The yeah, fastest pace yeah. in the end history, the fastest paced NBA season ever was nineteen sixty one. Well, Matt, here's the thing. He played every thing, minute, man. running up and down here's, the floor. You can't act like our answers are so blasphemous when you chose Kobe. Kobe was the best player on two teams that won a title, same as Steph Curry. Like it's it, it, and I still have. Uh, that's it. He was, and he didn't have to go against the greatest dynasty of all time, which was the Celtics of the sixties. Well, yeah, Matt. Uh, naming, Will Chamberlain only has two it. titles. Matt. Right. Will Chamberlain right. only right. has two right. titles. Yeah, because there was eleven won by the best team that was ever assembled. Based on the era, com- era comparatively, sure, but and there were way less teams, and Kobe still was. won five titles. Yeah, because Shaq got him three. All right, well, how many? How many teams was Will Chamberlain the best on a title team? How, how many? Teams? He was the best player on the Sixers and the Lakers. Oh, I can't hold it against Kobe. Same as Kobe. Yeah. Same as Kobe. And he was game seven against the 1965 Eastern Conference and, Finals. And, and, His uh, the inbounder throws the ball away. Havlicek steals the ball. They're down one. That's not on Wilt. Wilt had great. Uh, I'm not. I can't, I'm not yeah, here to nitpick. Yeah. I'm not here to nitpick game play. Matt, Matt wants to nitpick the arguments. I'm gonna nitpick that one. Kobe was I'm only not, the best I'm player not. on two championship teams. He was. That's all Wilt got. Kobe That's was never. Got. Kobe. Kobe was never the best player in the NBA at any point. That I got to disagree with too. Yeah, I got to disagree with that as well. But that's a, that's a whole another argument. It's a whole another tangent. But my my only point is. I think Kyle's are just as justifiable as you taking Kobe Bryant out of a, out of a top ten list of all time. But that but that just goes to show you where Steph Curry has put his name in like permanently. Like he's he is now at this table amongst the all time greats, the the one percent of the one percent who's ever played in the NBA. And I think this Finals MVP definitely one hundred percent solidified that. So. The NBA goes into the offseason. The Warriors now officially have their fourth championship in eight years. And another thing that Matt has to defend himself with, put his back up against the wall as we end this Warriors talk and his legacy talk. Kyle, at the beginning of the finals, made the statement that if the Warriors would win this finals, they would be the second best dynasty of all time behind Jordan Chicago Bulls. And Matt struck it down vehemently just like he struck down all these arguments today so matt what do you have to say for yourself back on the stand as they do win four and eight all this legacy talk comes out about steph court steph curry the warriors their dynasty what do you have to say now as it as it stands the 80s like if we're kind of if we're it's hard to argue with the like 11 and 13 celtics it's so i'm just going to do post merger because i think that's what's fair so merger is 76 um, and I, I, the eighties Lakers were just unbelievable. They won five trips. They went to nine finals. Um, if you include 91, so from 80 to 91, that's 12 years. They went to nine and they won mm-hmm. five. That's more impressive than what the Warriors did. And an important point is that they didn't miss the playoffs, which the Warriors did twice. The Warriors that's missing true. the playoffs twice hurts their standing among dynasties. And, 
it's they're clearly not above that Lakers dynasty. Um, and they're it's it's like it's tough com- to compare them to like the ninety nine to oh seven Spurs because the ninety nine to oh seven Spurs that's during like the Shaq and Kobe era. And they still won four titles, which is incredible. But they never went back to back, so that's like they're that's a they're in that tier. There's like a flaw in both of them. There's no flaw in the Lakers of the '80s, and no flaw in the Bulls. Of What's the, the 90s. flaw in the Warriors? What's the flaw? They missed in the, the playoffs twice, and they have the lowest amount of titles among the and, and four is less than five and. Six, obviously. If we're gonna well, the do. flaw of the Lakers is the last two years you're including were years they lost the championship. Yeah, but that still counts as Pistons, like part right? of a, a a run. Sure, I, I guess, but I, I think this one coming back though. One, they were the Warriors were the most dominant team in the league, most dominant team maybe of all time in the seventy three and nine year. They did lose the finals that year, but won it the three years around that. And to bring it back. To, to get rid of the KD talk, right? To bring it back with the original core who, who have reshaped the game of basketball and, and to win it again. And who says they're even done yet now? But I know we're just judging off what we've seen. I think this is the second best dynasty. I think it's a more competitive league. And, and I think the level that they did it on now is just as comparable to the level the Lakers did it on the 80s. I, I agree. And Matt, you made an interesting point with like how the how would you put the Spurs in this top tier of best dynasties of all time? And it, it's very comparable to why I think the Warriors are the second best dynasty of all time. Because you talk about the Lakers in that in that eighties run, who dominated that from a player standpoint? Who dominated that decade of basketball? Magic Bird and Kareem. So two of those in three, the early eighties was Kareem, but right? Yeah. It was the three, the three I would say too, and then you talk about the Pistons in the latter part. But those those three, Magic Bird and Kareem, two of those three are on the team that you're talking about is in that best dynasty. What's so impressive about this Warriors run and why I think they're the second best dynasty is LeBron James has dominated this decade of basketball. So in LeBron James's era, and they have won four championships within that while while he's doing it. Much like you're talking about why the Spurs were so productive and so impressive, but the Spurs were, were the Spurs are a different argument. It actually makes me think about that Spurs dynasty a little higher because of this point. But that is so impressive to me that we know by and far and large, this is LeBron's era of basketball. No one's going to try to take that away from him. But within that midst, you have to talk about four championships. Seven, six, what? Seven finals appearances. Six, six what, finals appearances. Six, fin- six, six finals appearances. A back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVPs. Two, a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. One of the best scorers of all time, adding to their team. That like, you have to talk about all of these things in the midst of LeBron James's era. To yeah. me, that puts them higher than no, the Lakers. Puts I also like the. I also like, like to throw in right before you before you go, Matt. That. You you're holding you're clearly holding the two years they missed the playoffs um, against them. F- fair enough, but but both of those years were because of injury, and one was a COVID year. I, I mean, they were were not full strength in that year, and every single other year they made the NBA Finals. When they did make the playoffs, they didn't fall short once. Yeah, but it's they not made the- NBA Finals every single time, and were held off because of injuries. And you can throw in COVID if you want, but even that year you could just chalk up the injuries as well. They were the worst team in the NBA one year. 
<laughs> because because all because everything, all of their was, were, absolutely everything went wrong. wrong. I get it. KD left. Uh, Curry got hurt. Play got play hurt. Was hurt. And it was, there was like Draymond nobody missed left. time too. Like yeah, Draymond didn't try. He was Wiggins like was hurt. Him, so. Wiggins was hurt. I mean, literally, they Stop. were all hurt. Stop. Alec Stop. Burks was like the face of that team <laughs> for a solid and two what, months. And what they do? What they do? Draft a dude that might extend their dynasty, might extend their run. They drafted him. So well, like, the, that was for that year, Jordan Poole's rookie year. Yeah, that was Jordan Poole's he rookie played, year. He but, played yeah. like thirty minutes and shot like twenty. Five percent from three. I'm not, and he just kept. They just kept playing him to develop him, which is mm-hmm. smart. Which is which is an argument against my point. Yeah, I just think when you're talking about the best of the best, I think the 16, 17 Warriors are the greatest team to ever play. The uh, first year of, I, I agree. So I, I I just think the dominance of the. I, I I just think they're. If you're just talking post merger, the, there's a two clear, unbelievable, dominating teams. And that's the Bulls of the 90s, the Lakers of the 80s, and then there's everyone else. And they're on the top end of everyone else with the Spurs. I don't know how you don't throw the Warriors right in with there. I don't know how that's not a group of three. When the Warriors won titles, they didn't – like the only time they went every other was when the Cavs beat them in 2016. Every other time they went – they went a back-to-back. That's what dynasties do. When a back to back, they three peat, they do all that. When the Lakers were winning titles, they were they were going back to back or every other with the Celtics. Like they, they didn't Lakers, win, Lakers won, won in eighty. 20. Lakers won in 80, 82, not 83, 94, 85, 87, 88. You okay, so they so they they repeated they went back once. to back once and they then they lost in the finals in oh, 89 first and full finals was over a seven years. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, the, the Warriors didn't do that. <laughs> The worst that the when they got there is it's mine. And the only time we lose it is when LeBron goes super saiyan and we got two players that get hurt in the same series. It's the only time we lose it. Every other time we're winning this chip and barely losing in, in the playoffs. I'm I'm just yeah. the, I'm the, fine the with Matt putting the Lakers Showtime. above them, but it's a group of three. It's not a group of two. I'm it's not. a group of I three. I don't, I don't put the showtime I don't, Lakers above I don't this. agree I don't. with Matt, but it's not the Lakers, the Bulls, and the drop off, and the Warriors are just the top end of that drop off. It's a group of three in the conversation. If anything, the, the Lakers might be the top end of that drop. Honestly, what's <laughs> like holding Lakers me back the Celtics is, might be the top end of that drop. What's holding me back is I just don't think this Warriors team was that great this year. This Warriors team, they're they 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 were they're they're good. They're very good, but they were clearly the worst team of all the teams that have made the finals for them. And so it's just kind of. There's That's not clear- bad though. Every yeah. dynasty is going to have a worse. So team. I view I view it as they had three great champions and one they got a championship because just grit, experience, and like all the intangibles that you want, which is great. But nothing about watching. It's been it's it's been, and then they almost lost to Houston in 2018, and Houston lost that game. So in my mind, it's been like almost five years since I've seen the great, the, like the peak of it, and that might be clouding my judgment. Maybe, maybe who's in front That's of fair. you? Like, and, and, and you're right. Celtics might not have been like their their toughest finals opponent, but you beat who's in front of you. God, and Giannis would have been such a fun matchup for them. Yeah, it would present a whole lot of problems. It would yeah. present a whole lot of problems for them boys, but. They they did what they did. They wrapped up the series, and like we keep saying, the scary part is like they may not be done yet. Like who knows when they come back next year? They get 
a fully healthy Clay Thompson because Clay was only started in January and he was this effective, only started in January after missing two years. They get a fully healthy Clay Thompson, a healthy James Wiseman. They mix in Moses Moody. They get Jonathan Kaminga more minutes. Like it's like they have so much untapped potential over there with the Warriors. We could still be talking about them for the next five to 10 years. Like it's that's so ridiculous. But um, let's move on from the pros to those hopeful pros as the NBA draft is set to come out when you guys listen to this it will be Thursday night tonight uh, as we're recording is tomorrow night. Uh, but the NBA draft is set. Kyle and I were talking about before we came on, how it kind of snuck up on us this year. We don't, I don't know if it's, it's, it's earlier this year, but it's, it's like, you know, a week, a week after the season's, you know, stop. Even right? if it's <laughs> earlier, it's earlier in my mind. It's all the draft is always this time. Uh, Cause it's always right around my birthday. So I'm used to it. Well, I feel like happened. it's not always a week and a half after the finals end. It's did they push the Did they push the playoffs weeks. longer this year? I don't I know, know. I know for a fact that in 2016 it was June 23rd because on my birthday we drafted Ben Simmons. <laughs> Ooh, oh, how's that sit with you? At the it, time, it was, I liked it. For like five yeah, years, it was for, like three, <laughs> for about like four, yeah, five years. It was nice. <laughs> It was nice, right? Your birthday's then, tomorrow, man. Right. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, man. Happy early birthday, birthday, man. Happy early birthday. Make sure y'all straight facts listeners, you wish Matt a happy birthday on the socials, man. I'd be mad if y'all don't. But getting back to those draft picks, um, as the draft is slated tomorrow night, we have four potential number one picks that everyone's talking about. Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Jaden Ivey with an outside chance to go number one. Um, so I'll pose this to y'all really quick. Who do you guys think is going to go number one to the Orlando Magic? Uh, well, it's who I think is going to go number one. It's who I think should go number one and who I think is the best fit for the Orlando Magic and the best prospect in this draft, and that's Jabari Smith. Um, I've, I've felt that way since the since before March Madness, to be honest. But uh, in terms of going number one, it makes the most sense for the Magic. Um, they've loaded up on guards in the past few drafts, Suggs, Cole Anthony, um, and I think their last big man they picked was probably Bamba and Wendell Carter. I think this is a perfect guy to throw into that roster, the culture that they have there. A, you know, can play wing, can play stretch, can play big if you need him. Um, oh, not to mention they got Markel Fultz. And I, I just think he is the best prospect. I'm not completely sold on Chet Holmgren yet. Um, me and James are talking about it. Like, what's the best version of that been? Because we've seen a couple of these type of players join now. And we were saying it's Chris Stapps. Um, now, do I think Chet could be better than Chris Stapps? Yes. Um, but I'm not ready to. That's a better passer than Chris Stapps. Oh no, yeah, no, no, two like different type of games, but these yeah. unicorn type of players. Um, right. I, I I'm not completely sold on it yet, and I think the first one really is going to be next year um, with Victor. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would say it's probably Jabari one for me. I think Paolo is the best player right now. Uh, if I were the Thunder at two, I would take Paolo, not Chet Holmgren. And then I'd rank it probably Chet and Jaden Ivey. But Jabari Smith, for me, I'd lock in at number one. Matt, go ahead. Who you got at number one? I like – I'm going to go with the wild card and Jaden Ivey. Mm. I just think Orlando – Jaden Ivey. Orlando, mm. for their entire history, has tried to make – to have, like, the stalwart center that is their core to win. And it never quite works out. So Shaq left after four years. Dwight Howard fell out with the coach. Vucevic just they, it wasn't he wasn't good enough. Mo Bamba too young to say, but it's not looking like he's a star. So it's they're 
and I they they need to try a different formula. Build around someone who is not six foot ten or higher, taller. Build around a guard. A, a uh, I don't know much about Jaden Ivy. How ball dominant is he? Uh, enough. I would say his talent shows the most um, when he has when the ball. ball. And the 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 thing about Jaden Ivy is he's so fast. Like there's not many guys that move on a basketball court the way he can. Not many guys that just can. And as as a six four with good size, if you put a good basketball package around that, it gets really dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets compared. This is movements to the quickness and the explosiveness of like a John Moran at the guard position. Yeah, it's, six four body. It's crazy sometimes. It's it's ridiculous. Which is why I think that it's movable too off the ball. Like he wasn't the true point at Purdue. It was really ball dominant. But you know, as as a guard, he's operated as a two guard next to a point guard. And in college, the a, a point guard is essential in college. Every college has a true point guard. So. He's already learned how to play off the ball a little bit, and you get that explosiveness on the perimeter. Like, I know there's a cesspool of guards down there in Orlando, but I'm with you, Matt. Like, I really like Jaden Ivey as a prospect. And if I'm looking at another Orlando high draft pick big that didn't really work. There you, yeah. go. there you go. So you're moving away from the bigs. So you would put Jabari, Jabari Smith in that big tier for them yeah. as to why you move away from them. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I really like Jaden Ivey. The the other one, if it's not Jaden, then I probably would swing Paolo Bancaro um, into that number one slot. Like, I agree with you, Kyle. I think he's the best player um, right now. in this draft. Yeah, yeah in this draft. And I also see, like, a huge upside. I, I didn't mm-hmm. really love his game in college. You guys remember when we were talking about the NCAA tournament, I, the episode, like, 32 or something like that. Um, I said how I thought Paolo Bancaro was one of the most overrated. Or Duke was one of the most overrated because of them leading on Paolo Bancaro. I didn't love his game, but he showed me a lot in the NCAA tournament. Showed me a lot of toughness. Showed me a, a more array of moves than I'd see him have in a regular season. His game built a little bit. So when I look at like the the size, the strength, the already NBA movements, he doesn't play in a hurry like Jaden Ivey sometimes can play in a hurry. He never plays in a hurry. He's he's solid in his movements. Like I think he would be a very good pick at number 1 and at this point for Orlando, like just get someone right to build around. Like yeah. I hear you Matt, you don't want to go they have big man bad history. Kyle, I hear you that there's a bunch of guards, but at this point if you're the Magic, get one right. Like you might want to get the right pick for your team, the right position, but how about you get a draft pick that hits, a number one overall pick that hits? You've had a couple of them. Why don't you just why don't you focus on that? And I think Paolo Bancaro and Jaden Jade and Ivy to me would be ones to do that. Yeah, I I, I like Paolo a lot. I, to me, he's two. Maybe I actually went there, Jaden above Chet Holmgren. I don't like Chet. It's What's weird. What's your problem with Chet Holmgren? I don't get it. I, I don't. I'm also very translating to the NBA level. I saw it at Gonzaga, but one, this is how he ran. He was a good defensive big man at Gonzaga, four blocks per game. Not going to happen in the NBA. We, with that frame, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, it's four years down the road from today, right? And and offensively, they asked him to do a lot of guard type of stuff, and and his game's going to have to shift. And the allure of lore of him is you know the passing being able to dribble being that tall and being able to do a lot of stuff but in the NBA the fact of the matter is you're around four other pros on your team and unless you're a superstar you're not really asked to do 
all of that stuff. And it's not going to like translate to crazy numbers if he's not a superstar for Chet. I think he'll be a good player, a stretch if he hits the threes, which I have no worries that he will. But if the draft like this, where I think the four top four guys are really strong and really project to all of them can become all-star players. All of them could become superstar players. I throw Chet on the bottom side of that. Yeah, for me, he seems like a more talented Lori Markinen. Which is like he's okay. like right. But when you're drafting number one overall, that's not you're trying to get a Hall of Famer. You're not trying Lori to get a more seven? talented a Lori Markinen. Like it's a he's a real I think he'll be a really good piece to have on contending teams. I think if he's your third best player, you're in a really good shot. But I he he just he doesn't scream like the guy that he doesn't look like the guy that can take you to the promised land. Well, if we're if we're gonna use that argument, I don't know if I see future Hall of Fame talent in, in uh, anywhere in this draft. I see very good players. I don't know if I pick someone. Every draft like, has, other than the two thousand draft, every draft has one Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. projected out of their career. I, yes, but I I don't know if I if I look at one player and say like that's future Hall of Fame talent right there. That's electrifying. You know what I mean? Well, so, uh, you don't want to hype people up too much either. But just but if, that's, if if you if, if when if I see someone as a a fifteen percent better version of a good player today, like that's not going to get anyone really excited about the number one overall pick. Yeah, well, because if that's where they're starting. That gets me. That'll get me excited if that's where they're starting because that that's gets crazy upside. That um, my argument for Chet Holmgren and a lot of people want to bring out the the physique, the size, how slender he is. I get it. Um, I don't see anything different about his body type than I see with Evan Mobley, and people love Evan Mobley as a prospect. Still love him right now as coming what second in Rookie of the Year voting. Like I, I don't see any crazy difference in their body types at all. But Chet Holmgren has more of an outside game than Evan Mobley does. Definitely handles the ball better, passes better. I think his ability to really stretch the floor like that might get him out of those situations where he's got to bang more, where he's got to be more physical. Like I, Eventually, yes, I know that in the NBA that can't escape you, but he's going to be able to get a lot done from that 15 to 20 foot range that's really going to help his game maybe open up the floor for a lot of people. Like I, yeah. I, I see... As, as a person, and you're you right. At, He's got go more, ahead, but let me let me finish a little bit. You got it. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, yes, four blocks isn't gonna isn't gonna continue. But he doesn't get his blocks with power and force. It's timing on all of his block shots. That's why when people said he averaged seven blocks a game in high school, people were like he's not gonna do that in college. They're bigger in college. And what does man do? Four blocks a game in college, like that kind of technique, that kind of ability to time the basketball and go get it with. A, a damn near eight foot wingspan. Like, I think that kind of stuff translates and no, it may not be the most powerful blocks, but all you need to get is a piece of the ball on the way up to affect the shot. And he's very good at doing that. So yeah. I, I, I see Chad Holmgren making an impact in the NBA. Maybe not future hall of fame. Tell man, I'll give you that, but I definitely see he'll, him affecting the NBA. Yeah, he will. I, I don't love the Mobley comparison. You're right from 15 to 20. He'll be more effective, but Mobley was effective enough. And and the Chet's not going to have it inside that Mobley has. Uh, I, and when the game speeds up, I don't think the blocks stay there. You know, Mobley was sixth in the league in blocks this year. I, I mean, like, I, I think I, I get the comparison, kind of, but I, I'm, taking Mobley's body type. I'm taking Mobley's career. I'm taking Mobley over Holmgren if Mobley was in this draft. 
I know we've had a year of NBA experience to kind of, you know, lengthen that take and give me, you know, maybe I'm a little biased now, but I'm taking Mobley as it stands compared to what I think Chet's going to be. More polished game from Mobley, but the comparison I'm making is in their body type. Very similar body type, very different games, but I think Chet Holmgren's outside game, like we we, we see the movement of NBA, like bigs that can stretch the floor like that and not just stretch the floor scoring. Stretch, stretch the floor passing, stretch the floor with their vision, with their playmaking, yeah. uh, being able to set good screens, being able to be like that is so useful in today's NBA. It's what's going to make him a, a solid player, like a, a very good and solid player. And you know what, Matt? I may be able to live with 15 to 20% better than Larry Marketing. I may, I, I, as a NBA GM, I may very much like that because I yeah, can do something for, with that. For me, if I'm picking two, uh, OKC actually wouldn't be a bad spot for him because they have a million picks that they can fill out in other ways too. But if like that, but in a normal scenario, I would, that's a guy I, I'm happy with if I get like fourth, but not like it's, it's the margins. Cause when you're that bad to get that pick, you need hmm. a savior. And look, I, I like Chet Holmgren a lot. I, he's a high floor, medium ceiling player for me. And I think at two, or when you're one of those teams, I think you'd rather take a high ceiling, low floor player because the potential. Right. So you see Jaden Ivey ceiling higher than Chet Holmgren's ceiling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. As I was asking that question, I very much do too. Um, and and here's the thing. It's not like Chet's getting disrespected. It's, he's still in every conversation that anyone has in the discussion for the number one overall pick. People just, just you know, if I had to rank him, people rank him four, which means he's not sliding in anyone's mind below, you know, five, below six, five. Yeah. Like I think Benedict you know Matherin I mean? could be the only one we could maybe see go above that. Those top four groups of guys. But I think that's pretty set. Yeah. There's a guy from G league ignite. That's been shooting up draft boards lately. Something Daniels. I forget his first name right now. Dyson Daniels. Um, Dyson Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Who's starting to shoot up draft boards. So look out for his name too. Um, but yeah, like, I I just want to make sure that I get the Chet Holmgren point out because like I, I I've been obviously following his game since high school and and this was you remember his high school recruiting it followed this similar path of like no one knew who he was he was getting very overlooked wasn't even ranked then all of a sudden I think goes to the Steph Curry camp or something like that has a, a crazy showing and all of a sudden is now number two in his class and ends up being number one in his class as he's going to Gonzaga so. It's it goes from a lot of people doubting him to all of a sudden one day everyone waking up and he's the next best thing. So I think this kind yeah. of follows a similar path. So we'll I'm see how, how that have him hit up Giannis's nutritionist. We saw Giannis put on 50, 50 pounds of muscle. Yeah. It only needs like I mean, you're not gonna get fifty pounds of muscle. That's the freak we're talking about, but give me 25, 30 pounds of muscle and Joel too. And we'll see Joel. what happens. Yeah. Or follow the Joel method. Sit on your ass, eat a bunch <laughs> of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and milkshakes and then one day get up and turn all of it into muscle and, yeah. and never look back. <laughs> you might you might have to do that. Um All right, yo, so that, that's a good a good way to uh to segue into our next point just really quick. Um, as we look forward to the draft on Thursday night, is there anything you guys are looking forward to in particular looking to happen on draft night that might shake things up? Yeah, I need to see a team reach for AJ Griffin just for the hype. 
because AJ Griffin's going to be a stud. He's currently getting yeah. mocked. He's getting mocked in like the 10 to like 15 range. He's, I don't think he drops out of the lottery. But then the other thing I need to see is my secondary team, my Charlotte Hornets, unless they trade Terry Rozier. But for now, I'm going to treat it like Terry Rozier stole in the Hornets. I need them to take a big man. And, and yeah. I think Mark Williams is in the perfect slot to Ooh. fall where the Hornets pick at 15. And I, I'm a big fan of Mark Williams. So that is like one thing, especially like, I don't know what the Sixers are going to do. I'm not going to go anything there because I have so many thoughts about that. But if Mark Williams is there at 15, I think it lines up perfectly for the Hornets. I, they need a big man like that, one that could come in and play. It's been Ooh. a huge spot on their team that they've just been missing for like six years, even before Terry got there. It was like Cody Zeller was the starter there with Biombo for like four years straight. And, and, and they moved on from that. And last year, the big man position was a toss-up. So Mark Williams to the Hornets at 15 is one thing that I need to see if Terry Rozier is playing for that team next year. I like Mark Williams on the Hornets. I yes. really like that one. That's a really good fit for them. I like that. I need to see some Daryl Morey magic. Yeah, I Because all the stuff that I've seen floating around is a little too weird for me, like a three-year contract to a 37-year-old um, P.J. Tucker. But uh, I really do think Stop. the Sixers are gonna are gonna trade um, Matisse Seibel and the twenty third pick for something tomorrow night, and it could be nothing, and they're just trying to free up cap space. Um, but I think I think there's a target that Maury wants that we don't know about yet, and I think we're gonna have a better idea of what that is in about 48 hours matt matt's looking for that matt saw aj brown they saw mr roseman do his work get aj brown in the first round and we need the sixer splash now okay he wants the splash i wouldn't Um, hate it i wouldn't hate it we don't have to spend too much time on this i had this debate earlier i don't know why you're y'all are so stuck on the fact that pj tucker might get three for 30 but y'all got to come to terms with that because three for 30 is a great Great deal in itself. I get that he's 37. Yeah, but that's the downside. He brings in exactly what the Sixers need and has just aided two very successful teams in doing exactly what he does for for those teams. So and like it's nothing you can't move. You bring him in and that first year you're like, oh, this doesn't work. Like two for twenty after that to move that contract game, like you're gonna be able to move that. There's nothing that you're tied to with PJ Tucker. So go ahead and offer. I, I don't hate three for, three for thirty. It just is like so. This, this is like if this so is what's late. rumored. You're trying to rumor a better scenario. So like, I if we, if we've got PJ Tucker three years thirty, I'm I I will think that is a positive signing for the Sixers. Positive, signing. but I don't think it's Nothing. the best we can do. Nothing but a positive signing. Um, here's what I think is going to happen on draft night. Uh, I think Denver, you see Denver has those two first round picks, one courtesy of my Phoenix Suns. Thank you. I think they, I want to see them and I think they will get funky with them first round picks. I think they're at a point right now where there's a little bit of a question mark in Denver. Jamal Murray has now spent a really expended, extended time away from the team. You hope that he's going to be back and come back to Jamal Murray that we know. But if he doesn't, now you have to look at the young players who you're starting to step up. You have a lot of money tied to Michael Porter Jr. You have Bones Highland who showed a lot of promise. Um, you have a question mark at Aaron Gordon. Monte so, Morris has shown promise too at guard. Monte Morris has shown promise. So Denver has a, a huge 
opportunity and obligation to do something with those two first round picks, whether it's package them or you make a splash and go try to solidify a, a crazy big three with Jamal Murray, Jokic, and somebody else. Or if you use that to package up to move up to go and get a, a, a splasher to help you out, but that Denver can't get complacent with those two first round picks. There's a reason you traded Phoenix to get an extra one, use it, do something really good with it. Cause I think, Denver is in a limbo right now. In the in the thick of the Western Conference, they need to move themselves to the top of it. But we're all looking forward to draft night, man. It's where dreams come true. It's where things are made over under about how many people cry on draft night. I'm send, setting it for 60, 62 draft picks, 60 draft picks. Just do the first round. Count the first round. First round. Out of the third. Over, over under eight. Over under eight or nine. Does it have to be the players? Because I know every mom and some dads player, are going to be crying. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> parents cry. Players. Eight. Under. I, I don't know if like, I'm going five or six. I'm going over. I'm going over. Yeah, I'm with Matt here. I think five or oh, six. Every, nah, it's oh, it's it, it's the thing now. It's acceptable to cry. It's the thing. It's, it's, since, it's, since Zion did it, yeah. And and reporters try to make them cry now. Maria, right. and, and lucky Maria Taylor isn't with ESPN anymore because she her goal is to get you to cry. Yeah. <laughs> she bringing up all the sob stuff. She trying to get them tears going. So I'm I'm going to over right there with number eight. But um, one more side of time for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a go one, but as always, something shots up at the buzzer. Matt, you're gonna have to go first this time. So go ahead, get your shot at the buzzer. I just want. To, I had a fun work story. Um, I sold a phone to a convicted fraud, two convicted fraudsters, which was fun. You um, You're helping the cause out so, here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Former thank Chester you. County Sheriff Bunny Welsh. Um, her real name's Carolyn. Um, and her longtime boyfriend, Terry McGinty, uh, were convicted of fraud charges about a year ago. Um, they're key members in local politics in this area and i've a long time had a disdain for her um and and it was fun that i'm gonna make some money off them because i'm gonna throw every accessory at them (laughs) oh so it's not i thought you were gonna say this was like illegal for you to do so like no 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 no, no. they're they, they didn't they're they're Rich white people, they just pay a fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It all goes away. Yeah, Matt, get anything out of them, man. Like, flip the well, table. Those county tax dollars that they defrauded us, and so I'm, I'm getting every. I'm throwing every. I'm give. I'm double screen protecting them. I'm giving them liquid glass and tempered glass. There I'm going to give them the camera okay. protectors that crack all the time. I'm going to get everything possible. He says this now. In a year, we're gonna look up, and Matt's gonna be in the in the ring with them, running the running the operation behind the scenes from inside <laughs> Verizon. We're gonna hear about it in the papers. <laughs> but uh, Kyle, go ahead, man. Get your shot yeah, up at the buzzer. Yeah, James alluded to it. This is uh, this is my last episode. I guess we really haven't talked about it on the show. I, I did let the guys know, James, Matt, and Jake. Sad Jake can't be mm-hmm. here. I let them know a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, I'm moving on. Uh, the guys know why. I mean, I, my life has moved on since I started here over two and a, almost two and a half years now, which is crazy to even think about how long we did this. Uh, I just wanted yeah. to say thank you guys for the opportunity to do this. This has been awesome uh, to the Straight Facts listeners. Um, it, it, it was so cool when I'd get a text from my friends or people I didn't even know. Um, 
just talking about sports and it's been a really cool opportunity talking sports with you guys every week the the work we've put in it's not just the 60 minutes we we put or that we do the show for we put in a lot more work uh the group chat especially on the weeks where we really got going i mean we were putting in a ton of work and i came into this not really knowing these guys i didn't know matt at all i knew james a little bit and i only knew jake by name and now i've really been able to walk out of it with three guys i can call friends and uh i wish you guys nothing but success with this i'm not going to be on the show anymore i told him uh, i'm going to be their number one fan though i'm still going to be tuning in every week for the guys so uh just thanks for it the opportunity uh straight facts listeners thank you for being so supportive this has been an awesome thing but it is uh it's time for me to move on and that's kind of where we're at now hey man yes, Matt, thanks, ahead, Kyle. You, you, it's been great to work with you and become friends with you too um i'm happy that like you're in a you're getting to a better space and you're like you're doing what's making you feel better and everything which is mm-hmm. great um but i'm gonna miss you having you on the pod and you're welcome back anytime got to because when matt gets to wildland we, there's only a certain number of people that can that can get at him <laughs> and you're you're one we might need to call in the reinforcements but um yeah man no definitely you you walked out with at least from my point of view, uh, and I'm sure Matt and Jake echo with this, more than a friend, man. Uh, it, it takes a special kind of, like, bond and friendship to to do a pod for, for this long together. And Matt knows, and Matt's been with us for, you know, just as long and longer that, you know, you can't do this with just anybody. You can't, yeah. can't grow a show with just with any people. So you really learn to, you know, get a deeper kind of friendship. So, man, I look at you as a, a pod brother. Um, and someone who, you know, you always have my number, always be able to hit me yeah. up and you'll always get a response from me. But I, I, I want to use my at the buzzer to kind of just piggyback off what Kyle said and just, just share my appreciation for what Kyle was able to bring to the podcast. Just peeling back the curtain for all the listeners out there. He came to us and, and you know, in a pandemic came to us and said, Hey, like you, I, I love your guys' show. I love what you guys bring. You know, am I able to come on and, and help in any way? And at first, he wasn't even on camera. You guys nah. didn't even see Kyle at yeah. first when he joined the podcast. He was on as just a statistician. He would stay in the background, provide live stats, help us out where anything we need, mark where he thought we had good uh, clippable moves, all the little stuff he was able to do. And he really showed us from the beginning how much that not only he cared about, like, uh, about sports, but how much he enjoyed being with the pod, how much he enjoyed working on it. So we had no choice and we're happy to elevate him to, you know, be coming on for video and just be a full-time member that you guys would see and hear all the time. And then stuck with us for throughout, through a pandemic and then out the other side of it. So we got to do some bigger things, going into a studio, getting with up on game network. Like as the show and has grow, like I can't think about it without, thinking the contributions that Kyle did for us, man. It was really awesome for you to reach out to us to come on and to put that work in after it, man. So we're forever grateful for you, bro. Um, really going to miss you, man, as, as, yeah. the, as the leader of this thing, man. It's, it's really tough. But um, like Matt said, wish you nothing but the success in, in whatever you're doing. He also works at the same company as my dad, y'all. So if I need to keep tabs <laughs> on Kyle, I know who to go to. I'm going to the big dog. I know who to go to. <laughs> To keep some tabs on him, but as always, man, I appreciate I, I, it, guys. I'm gonna miss it, man. I really am. As a life choice, it like it was something I had to move on with. Um, but you know, James, especially because you texted me after, like it, it wasn't an easy decision to, mm-hmm. to come by. Um, I, I'm really gonna miss it. And back off, like 
yeah, more than more than friends, especially if you know me and James. Some of the times over text messages, even even the times we were going back and forth, man, we always came out stronger on the other side, and it's uh, for sure. It's been awesome, guys. I, yeah, I there's appreciate a, it. Yeah, there's a certain instance that Kyle's thinking of. You know, yeah, that's only a lot of dirty details, but <laughs> it's, it's why I say you can't do this with just anybody because yeah. not everybody is able to make it out the other side of something like that and know that we still have the same vision, have the same goals and want the same things for the show and for each other. Um, all four of us share that. So, uh, Kyle, man, it's a, we could go on forever and ever and talking about this. It's, a, yeah. it's tough to wrap something like this up, but mainly because we don't want to say goodbye to Kyle, but we will. And we have to, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of straight facts. It was a great one, a bittersweet one, but a great one. Shout out to my guy, Jake Galley. Um, out there. He'll join us back again next week. Shout out to everybody on the Up On Game Presents Network, LeVar Arrington, Plexico Burris, and TJ Hoosmanzada. And shout out to my guys, Kyle Sirik and Stan Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.